to start the show playing some audio that, don't worry, didn't happen this way, but Rick Pitino went over to the New York Knicks, tried to lobby his guy, Donovan Mitchell, to be selected by them in the draft at number eight. Again, they ended up with Frank Milikina, and Donovan Mitchell drops to 13, gets selected by the Denver Nuggets, has that picture of him in the Nuggets hat, and it's the reason why any... Denver personnel won't answer a phone number with an 801 or 435 area code. This is Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. JP Chunga Patino told the hosts on Sirius XM NBA that story and gave a little bit of a rundown on Donovan's game. Donovan, I knew, would be a star in the league. I always felt he could play the one. Can he run a pick and roll? Without question. Can he get other people's shots? Without question. So it's, it, I always knew he could play two positions. He's just a unique personality. The Knicks said they couldn't take him at, at seven? I forget who they ended up with. No, they didn't think they, they – you know, a lot of people, seven, eight, nine, you know, they all passed on him because they, A, they didn't think he could play point guard, B, they – they question certain things. Donovan is is a worker. He, he'll get in the gym and he'll perfect it. He doesn't have a big ego, but he has an ability mentally. He wants to be the best. He doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He has a boulder on his shoulder because he wasn't heavily recruited out of high school. He was ranked 55th in high school instead of top 10, top 15. And he's always out to prove that he's one of the better players. So he's got a uh, – it's a good chip. He, he wants to be the best, and he's willing to pay the price to be the best. So this is pretty common where coaches are talking to teams because you have to do your due diligence on that end of understanding what type of prospect will you be getting. Everyday jobs we have to give on our own resumes. Who are my references? Who are your references? Well, your employer calls those guys – to understand how they work. And Rick Pitino was Donovan Mitchell's coach when he was at Louisville. And understanding the mentality of a player can be so impactful on a successful draft experience. Pitino understanding that mentality that Donovan Mitchell has, where he's not a top 25 guy, he's a top 50 prospect. He was a good player when it came to high school and getting the attraction of all sorts of schools, going to a a good basketball program over at Brewster Academy, but he isn't a can't-miss. He isn't to the point where, oh, that guy, that guy's going to be a future NBA star. He can lead a team offensively. Bettino recognized that special personality that Donovan has and that we've learned to understand over the last couple of years. Look at the way he responded to a heckler in Minnesota. Donovan loves... When people challenge him, when he's on the floor and somebody is saying he can't do something because you know what what type of personality he has? One to say, yes, I actually can. That leads to our review of those Timberwolves games. We'll start with a bright, which is on Wednesday night where Donovan goes off on Minnesota. 26 points, 5 of 10 from 3. You cause this to the fan. Hear from Donovan Mitchell about that fan after the game. Conversations there with the okay. fan on the sideline? What, what were those? I don't, uh, I mean, he was just saying something along the lines of, I'm not a good basketball player, you know, and then, you know, I just said, just wait, you know, because, you know, eventually it'll happen. And, you know, um, I've had a few of those. I enjoy it. I, I, I love it. Um, I prefer it, you know, to be honest with you. I think it's just one of those things you just had to have fun within the game. Um, and I thank him because I was kind of struggling, you know, turning the ball over, make, taking bad shots, but getting back, getting back on defense. But I, I thank that guy because, you know, at that point it was just mental and you just kind of go. 
Thank you to the man in Minneapolis at the Target Center where Donovan Mitchell pours 11 in that final frame to give the Jazz the victory, 103-95. to This is why you don't talk to Donovan. Aaron Falk had the story on utahjazz.com for us. If you want to read more about Donovan Mitchell against the fan in Minneapolis, very Minnesota nice to spur on that victory for the Jazz. The real impactful stuff that you had to look at from this home-and-away series for the Timberwolves has to be defensively, though. Look at Monday. Utah was in that game into the fourth quarter, and Minnesota has an 18-2 run in that final period. Towns is completely a unique player, where he has ability to shoot from deep, to drive right past you, to use his post play to get things going, and he's a really good passer, able to whip it around the entire court. 29 on Monday, where he hits seven three-pointers and launches 15 up. The adjustment that the Jazz did on Wednesday, a lot of face carding, honestly. It looked as if the Jazz were defending him as if he were a wing or a guard. The level of defense that Rudy Gobert plays is the reason why he landed on the All-NBA third team last year over towns sometimes we heighten these type of one-on-one scenarios we make them the key matchup even though it really isn't as it was framed in the athletic centers are a big part of the northwest division as innovation of the game makes it smaller makes threes more of a priority as guards are shooting it from deeper The Northwest Division is sticking with the Cybertruck. Their innovation is having these type of players, Towns who can stretch the floor, and Gobert who can guard it. Jokic, when he's healthy, Nurkic, and Steven Adams who's a complete bruiser down low. Seth Partnow over at The Athletic, he wrote about how protecting the paint is the most important thing, and that's exactly what Gobert provides for the Jazz day in, day out. He can guard two on a pick and roll, and that's something prime Draymond, when he's engaged defensively, can do, where he can erase the options of a ball handler and a roller to the rim immediately. And then as we saw on Wednesday, he can deny Towns from going into the way that he was playing just on Monday. Towns on Wednesday, 14 points on just 10 shots. He only had 10 shots against the Jazz after he went on in a game and shooting 23 opportunities. If you can deny him the ball and deny him those shots because he has to pass it off to somebody else, you're in a better defensive situation, and that's how they got the win on Wednesday. NBA TV caught up with Rudy Gobert after the victory. Well, Rudy, I've asked you a bunch of offensive questions, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one about defense, in particular this battle with Carl Anthony Towns. He talked some some interesting trash after the game where he had seven threes the other night, took 15 three-point attempts, said, I felt so good I could have taken 20. Did you take that mission personal tonight? I mean, I think every night every night is, is personal for me. Um, but, you know, people are going to talk, and and uh, I love those challenges. So every every night is a different challenge, and tonight was just one one of them. And we know we get the win, and now we, we get ready for the next game. Those one-on-one matchups, it motivates him. And as somebody who has the number 27 because of his draft position, chip on his shoulder is something that the Jazz's two stars can benefit from. Rudy's line on the night, 12-15 and 15 
in five blocks. So he was erasing exactly what Minnesota was trying to get. Partnow was right where you have to look at Gobert as one of the elite of the elite in terms of basketball players in this entire league. Boyan Bogdanovich, resurgent with 30 points in that game, big buckets down the stretch. Boyan and Rudy's pick and roll offensively has been a joy to watch, but just seeing how Boyan has the confidence or short-term memory to not pass up shots is refreshing to see because he is willing to pull the trigger from deep at any opportunity that he has, and it has been to the benefit for the Jazz so far this season. Boyan this year, shooting 55% effective field goal percentage and 45% from three. He has been everything that the Jazz have asked him so far. Dante Exum, his first game action back with this team. Two straight games that he played, 14 against Minnesota on Monday, 7 54 on Wednesday. It's going to be a slow burn for Dante as he works his way into the rotation, into the lineup, and and whether he's going to stay in the rotation because, you know, Emmanuel Moutier and everybody's going to be pushing to keep the minutes that they have. Exum has gotten, according to Cleaning the Glass, 30 possessions with the lineup of Jeff Green, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, and Emmanuel Moutier. And this was something that was a point on Monday, and I guess through this two-game stretch, is how the bench is performing. And you see it on Twitter and online, how reactionary it gets to the point where immediately you have to pull someone if a mistake is made. Jim Beheim would say this about lineup decisions that he would make, where many a time a commentator would say, you got to take this out. Got to take this guy out. Trevor Cooney was the example that I remember him giving to me. It's Trevor Cooney couldn't hit a shot, get him off the floor. Or Trevor Cooney makes a mistake on defense, get him off the floor. Well, when he makes the shot two minutes down the road and you're cheering and you're saying, oh, great shot, Trevor, he would have been sitting if you were the coach. So I think you have to lean on what Quinn Snyder has seen in trying to integrate Dante Exum into the lineup and integrate that new lineup that he's being inserted with. Green, Ingles, Exum, Mitchell, Moutier has only played... 30 possessions on the floor, according to Cleaning the Glass. Right now, they're at a minus 10-point differential. 90 points per possession on offense, 100 points per possession on defense. The offense being able to generate enough has been a struggle, at least through the early portions of this year. It's not to the level where we thought originally it would be and where the expectations were laid out. But integrating into a system and integrating into a lineup, getting that chemistry with your floor mates, that's something that Dante will have to get. The other players on the floor will to him. That leads to another person who will be joining this team. Stanton Kidd waved and Jawan Morgan signed. Morgan got some experience with the Salt Lake City Stars, averaging 15 points per game. More of a stretch player. Has a flexible build out of Indiana, 6'8", 232. What's really intriguing is the fact that Morgan shot a team high 72% from the field and notched two double-doubles in his five games of action. But this is a vote of confidence of somebody that they brought in for Summer League and somebody that has taken the opportunity and development with the Stars. He's also a great personality in the fact that he loves Dragon Ball Z. Let's let you hear from the Jazz's new signing. Juwan Morgan caught up with myself and Aaron Falk on Media Day. We talked about his love of anime. For people who haven't watched your game much, how would you describe... Uh sort of what you're, what you're going to bring to this team in camp? To the team, I'll probably bring, like, just, you know, consistency. 
just an old man style of game. Just, you know what you're going to get from me. Not really high flyer, not really doing anything crazy, but I'll do things like get the extra possessions, uh, guard whoever's in front of me, and talk to everybody on defense. When did things click for you to notice that was your type of game that you wanted to show? Um, I would say within like the last week, uh, just because at first I was just going as fast as I could just because the game is so much faster than college and just trying to um, find what I'm good at as far as on this team. And then it just kind of clicked that everything worked a lot better when I was just playing defense as hard as I could and then offense came. So just looking at at your your backstory, um, we were really interested in, in the the person or the I guess maybe the the thing that you say you model your your game and life after is Android thirteen. Oh yeah. What, uh, where did this, <laughs> when did this start? Uh, I would say it started when I was about ten, just because if I was real big into anime and if you watched it, he's kind of you know just a relaxed dude. You would never guess what was really under the skin, and then when he gets mad or when he had something ahead of him, he changes into something else. And I feel like that's exactly who I am. So this is a, this is a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. Sell me on Dragon Ball Z as someone who doesn't watch anime. Um, it would change your life. I feel like just um, watching it, it, it teaches you so many things that, you know, regular TV or just life in general can't. And I think that's just what anime is as a whole. Do you just have like, I mean, you have like a DVD collection? Are you reading comics? Like, what, uh, how, how serious is for this? For Dragon Ball Z, it's both. I have DVDs and comics, but for the newer ones, I kind of just watch it on TV. What was the first time that you saw Android 13 and thought, that's my guy? I was about 12, and I saw the uh, Android 13 movie. And after that, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's who I am. Because I had a real short temper back then, so I'd be calm, but as soon as uh, something clicked, it was over, and there was like no stopping me. Are there are a lot of other players that are like, have you shared this anime interest with other, other people in, on teams uh, past? or? Well, a lot of my te uh, teammates in the past already have those things, so we've all just kind of been interested at the same time in like all the video games, things like that, we've all played together. I know Rudy's, Rudy's got a little uh, anime interest, and so maybe, maybe something oh, to, really? to chat okay. up for sure. Yeah. How have you tempered the bad parts of an Android 13 uh -oh. for your personality? Uh, I would say I tempered it into, into good things almost, like yeah. taking that energy that would usually just weigh me down, just being bad and like using it towards things like just going to get a rebound, like mm -hmm. making sure nobody can stop me to go and get it. Uh, if somebody's like scoring a bunch and they're hot, then just using that energy to make sure they don't score another time or even just making the shots a lot tougher. So just things like that. So the other thing that, that interested me is you wore, you wore a t-shirt throughout college, and yeah. you said it was because you felt like you were weirdly built, was yeah. a quote I read. Like, <laughs> do you, have you always worn a t-shirt, and then? Uh, well, in high school, I didn't, just because, you know, nobody cared what you did in high school as long as you were good. And then in college, it was just like, I walked into college, like, 260, and, like, all the weight, the extra weight was in my stomach. So I just felt like t-shirts kind of helped hide that. But as I, like, got more, like, defined, I felt like, I didn't have to wear the t-shirt, but by that time, I was already too comfortable in it. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're going with, with the, the more form-fitting, yeah. tighter undershirt yeah, from now definitely. on. You got cut up like this is, this is the new Juwan Morgan for sure. Definitely. Okay. Do people give you guff for the t-shirt? All the time. Like every, every uh, teammate I've ever played with, everybody I've gone against that I've been friends with, they always tell me I got to lose the t-shirt at some point, but I say it's not going anywhere anytime soon. How have you liked Quinn so far in, in sort of the, the camp setting and what's 
What are you excited about going into the next couple of weeks? Uh, it's been amazing just uh, being able to learn so much uh, so fast. And I think just um, not even just him, but all the vets that are on the team, just being able to learn and pick, uh, pick their brains from things they see uh, while we're playing. And I'm just I'm excited for everything. You know, it's a new experience. You know, it's just like walking on to co uh, the college campus as a freshman. Uh, you're at the bottom of the food chain. You're just trying to find your place and just ready to learn. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you, and Th good luck this year, man. Thank you. Warriors are in Salt Lake City tonight as they are losers of four of the last five since these two teams last played, where it was a 122-108 win for the Jazz at the Chase Center. Warriors are not playing great basketball so far. Again, they had Draymond Green playing the point guard for them a couple of nights ago. Green himself is listed as questionable against the Jazz. He didn't go against Luka Magic and the Mavericks on Wednesday night. Rarely do you want to flush the game down the toilet outing. And that's exactly what the Warriors are doing so far. No return for Derek Favors on Saturday. Unfortunately, he will not be available dealing with a back injury as the Pelicans come to Salt Lake City. They are in the midst of a three-game road swing. They already beat Phoenix to start it out. Brandon Ingram is playing impressively. And they're getting Lonzo Ball back, who will be a reserve for that team coming off the bench to fight for him. For a little bit more on what to expect from New Orleans, let's catch up with New Orleans Pelicans podcaster, Daniel Salerson. Have a little bit of a break with no Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio, two of their main guys. Um, so you lost a little bit of rim protection, which I think the Pelicans took advantage of. And then, of course, when you're without your main point guard, um, that was huge for Phoenix. But I also think just the Pelicans played team basketball at the end. Um, they got off the good starts at the beginning of every quarter, but then always lost it um, at the end of the quarter. So they were just able to sustain it in the fourth and he also finally got another healthy body back it's been a, a tough thing for the pelicans is all these injuries you have lonzo balls in the mix now of getting him healthy so i think it's finally the pelicans are playing closer to the normal rotations than they ha ever have before they're still missing a few guys but it was good to have lonzo back last night what's been the vibe around the team despite those injuries everything's great i mean this is a really good group of guys a lot of young guys still trying to prove themselves mixed in with some veterans again even though derek's been you know, Derek provides that veteran leadership that we knew we would get from Utah when he was traded here. J.J. Redick has been awesome. You have um, Josh Hart, who's been great, even though he's been hurt. And, of course, Drew has been the ultimate leader of this team. They don't necessarily lead by their words, but lead by example. And so the vibe has been great. You can tell these guys are really, like, playing for each other and playing with each other. And you can see it on the court, but we also get to see it off the court. This team is, is really fun to – kind of see how they're developing through these first 15 games. Where were expectations coming to the season? I know you anticipated Zion to be on the floor, but he goes down with injury. Where are the expectations when it came to the 2019-2020 season? I think at least for my expectations were to compete for a playoff spot. I know in the Western Conference it was going to be tough to get in. And also with you know eight or nine new guys for the Pelicans, I think it was going to be hard to kind of just automatically flip the switch and expect everything to work all right even if, if with a healthy Zion you still have a young team that hasn't played a lot with each other and I think that's still the same right now as the Pelicans are trying to get back out of the hole they dug earlier this season when they started one and seven but I think that as far as expectations for me it was more of get through March and April do some scoreboard watching and then if you sneak in that's great if not you're still building towards the future and I think that's what 
David Griffin wants. This is not a this is not a front office that looks at the short term effects. It's the long term effects, and you can tell that through three first round picks this year. And um, with the signings that they have, they're leaving themselves open for flexibility in the future, but also want to compete now. So I think for us in the organization, it was compete every night, um, contend for a playoff spot, and then you know if you get in, that's awesome. But if not, just show that you're making progress towards a better future. Well, one and seven starts six and nine on the season so far, and a win over the Clippers to boot. How are they able to get those victories and get it growing in the right direction? Yeah, I think it starts with the defensive end, which they've been one of the worst teams defensively um, during that one and seven start. I think they were 29th in defensive efficiency, and now they're up into the top 20, which I know is still not great, but still um, progress from where they were earlier in the year. I think they're in the last seven games, they're one of the top teams as far as forcing turnovers with almost nine steals a game and 18 turnovers per game. They certainly forced a ton of turnovers last night against the Suns. So defensively, things are starting to click. Um, and again, they're getting healthy bodies back. You know, right now the injury report still has Zion on it, favors on it. But other than that, like Josh Hart could come back in the next few games. So Okafor can. And then you're going back to just your having Zion out until he's ready to go. So I think uh, continuity is a big thing in this league. And as soon as the Pelicans get going with their rotations and things like that, I think they're going to be okay. But um, right now they're really stepping up their defensively. And the offense hasn't actually clicked as much as you would like. um, during the stretch, but the good thing is you made it up with your defense, so I think they're starting to find a little bit of balance. It was emotional to see him in a different uniform during the preseason when the Jazz played the Pelicans. Derek Favors, known as a true Jazz man around these parts, but what has he been in New Orleans? How has he uh, been a benefit to that locker room, even though he's, he's not going to be traveling with the team and playing on Saturday? He's been a benefit just from his you know, guidance with some of the young bigs. I mean, when you have Jackson Hayes, who's a, a 19-year-old kid out of Texas, you know, that's a, a young guy that needs a mentor. And I think Derek Favors has done a good job of taking him under his wing. Again, Derek is not really a talkative guy. I think you all know that by now, or at least if he's changed since uh, the Utah days. But he's a really quiet guy, but a really nice guy on and off the court. Um, very gracious with his time. And I think he's, a, like I mentioned, a lead-by-example guy. So, yeah. When he's been healthy, though, he's played some really impactful minutes. He had a 20-20 game um, a few games ago, just the fifth time in franchise history. We've seen one of those. And so um, I'm just waiting for him to get back on the court because off the court he's been he's been unbelievable and he's been a mentor to some of these young guys. But now we just want to see him play a little bit more because you, we knew what we traded. Uh, we knew what we were getting when we traded for him, and that was a guy that played great defense and offense. So we just want to we just want him to get healthy so we can see him on the court again. How have fans responded to Derek Favors? I think it's kind of been just, I don't know if there's really been a response just because you haven't seen him that much. Um, I think, again, they've seen what he's capable of doing when healthy. I think he tried to play a little bit when he wasn't healthy and it wasn't going so well, but they think they realized um, how good he can be when he is 100%. And so I think fans love that part of it, but I think they just want to see him on the court. I don't think there's really been a response yet because you really haven't seen him that much. He was hurt a lot in preseason. Um, hurt the beginning of the season, came back for a little bit, and then left again. So um, I think everyone's just kind of waiting to see right now with Derek. But um, overall, I think everyone's a big fan of him. Beyond the star of Derek Favors, there's also the star of Zion Williamson. At least you were able to see a little bit of it during the preseason and maybe during Summer League when he lit the entire world on fire with a with a, an earthquake during Vegas Summer League. What's the uh, Zion experience? Describe that for us. 
Well, I was actually there calling it for our um, for our radio flagship station. We were doing the summer league games just because of the effect of Zion and that earthquake I thought was caused by Zion just based on some of the dunks that he had. Um, he's been unbelievable, and it's just, you know, you hate to see what happened. I understand that the Pelicans need to take all caution when dealing with a 19-year-old superstar. Um, so, you, of course, everyone was devastated. I know the, the world was devastated when the injury happened. So many nationally televised games that everyone wanted to see him. You know, we've had some big crowds on the road. I think a lot of those were they already paid tickets to get to see Zion. Unfortunately, they won't won't see him right now. But, I mean, he's just a – He's just a teenager. You can just tell that in everything he does. You know, he is a very humble guy. You know, interviews, he just he acts like, you know, he's a 19-year-old. He doesn't let it get to his head that he's about to, you know, set the world on fire with his play on and off the court. Um, he's a really nice guy. And, again, his, his play, what we've seen is a small sample size, but he already showed that he's capable of being awesome in this league. And so now you just kind of want to see it. Uh, come to life when he comes back from injury. So he, he's been unbelievable, and we're really looking forward to having him back. Have you ever seen a warm-up like that? Because I remember during Vegas Summer League, he's going hammer dunks, 360s. He's just doing that during warm-ups. Have you seen anything like that? No, he's he's a one-of-a-kind. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's different one-of-a-kinds in the NBA, different mentalities. There's only one Michael Jordan. There's only one LeBron James. I think, you know, everyone tries to compare Zion, but I think everyone in you know, in the future is going to be like, oh, that guy is somewhat like Zion Williams. And I think he's going to be his own unique talent in this league. So, no, I've never seen it. And that's what's so crazy about how old he is. He's still got so much time left in his league, and I think it's only just begun for him. What's the style of play? I see that they're one of the top five teams in pace. How did they want to play beyond just the defensive structure offensively under Alvin Gentry? They want to get out and run, no matter if the ball's through the net or if the ball's uh, coming off the rim. This is a team that really wants to run and take advantage of being in transition. doesn't want to let the defense get set. Um, he also wants them to share the basketball. Alvin Gentry says he wants around 30 assists per game. They're not quite there yet. They're averaging around 26, so they're still a top-five team in passing. So I think that's kind of what their offense has been like, a little bit of a run-and-gun, um, especially with the athleticism this team has. Now you're seeing it with Jackson Hayes with the lob to the rim. Um, you're seeing it with Drew Holiday, but you're also seeing a team that loves to shoot to three. They're getting close to Houston Rockets range where they're shooting more threes than twos. There's a game that they put up 53s. Um, they were struggling a little bit last night, but J.J. Reddick has gone into a rhythm of his own, hitting six threes last night once again. I think there's three or four games he's had five or more already this season, and that's another guy that was one heck of a pickup by David Griffin during the offseason. So um, I think it's a little different style than Utah has right now but um, as far as the pace is concerned. But um, Alvin wants to run, and if they can outrun you, um, that will be their strategy from the get-go. Well, and for me, that's going to be pivotal. Who's going to be dictating the terms on Saturday? What do you expect coming up on Saturday on the middle of a three-game road swing for you guys? Yeah, we've seen that before when Utah's come to town as they've been able to dictate the pace based on their defense. And when the Pelicans have to take the ball out of the net again, it's a little more challenging um, to get the pace that you want. And, of course, um, with Rudy Gobert down low, I think it starts with him especially without Derek Favors in the lineup. That's going to be a tough cover for Jackson Hayes, who is um, still learning defensive scheme in the NBA. Um, at first, he was having trouble with his fouling thing. In the game last night, he had that same issue um, with five fouls in the ball game, and that's a problem when you were without Jaleel Okafor and Derek Favors. So I think a key down low is going to be Gobert and Jackson Hayes. Um, if you start getting into foul trouble, then the Pelicans might have to get creative as far as team defense. And then, of course, with the talent that – 
the Jazz have with Bondanovich and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. I mean, this is going to be a tough task for New Orleans. Um, this is something that, you know, with a three-game road trip, it's always important to get every win. So getting the first one on this road trip against Phoenix was super important. But I think uh, whoever dictates the pace is going to get the best shot of winning. But you have to get stops on the defensive end, and that's where I think um, the biggest challenge will be for the Pelicans based on the talent that Utah has. Again, appreciate the time from Daniel Salerson joining the podcast Round Ball Roundup. Monday, we will have your reaction to the Bucks game, which begins a long trip for Utah away from home. Our own Aaron Falk will be with the team as they go to Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Memphis, Toronto, and Philadelphia before returning home to take on the Lakers. We'll preview the trip on Monday, get you an update from the road. That does it for us today. Make sure to help others find the podcast on utahjazz.com, also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Five stars and nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.